Well, hey, welcome to The Breakdown, and I am your host this morning, today, whenever you could be, you could be listening to it in the evening time, and so still still hosting, even though it's morning for me right now, late morning. So, hey, I am Pastor Nick, and I'm rolling solo today, right? Jerron still being a dad, which is awesome. That's our first ministry. Uh, we, I always try to tell the staff, you know, your relationship with the Lord, number one, then number two, your family and then your ministry here at Calvary Chapel, Lake of the Ozarks. Keep it in that order. And right now, Jaron is doing his main ministry and serving his family. And so everybody's doing well. They are healthy. Everything is uh, going good. Um, they're not getting any sleep. Amen. And that's what it's like with a new one, right? I've, I've had four. We've been there. Uh, and the greatest thing, you just nudge your wife and say, hey, the baby's crying. That's what you do. That's what you do as a dad right there. And that's the great thing about rolling solo. I don't have anybody here to push back and say, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Like I could just, we could go rogue. We could say whatever, but welcome to the breakdown. If you are watching, uh, just again, thank you. Feel free to share that uh, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on whatever your favorite uh, podcasting platform would be. I know there's all that fanciness that you can share with one another. Definitely feel free to if this is something that you find value in, that you think other people would find value in, that would help in their walk with the Lord. Just a, another way to engage. Uh, what one uh, I was talking, we had a board meeting last night, so some of the businessy side of running a church, and we were talking about the breakdown. And one of the board members said, "You know what I really appreciate about it is it that it humanizes you." And I was like, "I didn't know I wasn't human." But they said, no, we just get to see another glimpse into who you are, your heart, you and Jerron. And, and they said, oh, we really loved last week having your son there. Uh, Jerron said that that was one of the fastest growing podcast um, episodes out of all of the breakdown that so many people watch so quickly. So I told that to my son who does not like to be in front of a camera, doesn't like to talk in front of people. He is a behind the scenes guy, even literally right now behind the scenes helping me. But I told him that and he's like, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> but it was great. So welcome to the breakdown, Roland Solo, and we'll be excited to have Jerron back in the studio next week. And so just continue to be praying for the whole Humiston family there. Uh, just a couple things that we have here this morning that I just wanted to, hey, if I was just by myself and I don't have to deal with other people, I don't have to worry about what other people think, where would I go, what would I talk about? Really just wanna jump back into Third John. Uh, and just a couple things that I wanna break down, just to, you know, hey, this is what I want you to hear from my heart. So this is far more, far more uh, way of description than it is prescription, but I think there is something for each of us to, you know, to listen, to hear through, uh, chew on, meditate and say, okay, how does this play out in my life? What does this look like for me? So I'm just going to bring up me, my crazy, and just challenge you that as you are listening and thinking, wow, my pastor is crazy. He is nuts. Like what is, what is going on with him? Uh, you know, as you're hearing me, and, and the struggle, and one of the things I love to say is the tension, holding things in tension. As you're hearing the tension of just my own walk with Jesus, I just challenge you to listen to your own heart and your own mind and the own tension of your life. And is, is this any of this playing out? 
for you. And you're probably thinking, where are you going, Nick? Let's jump into it. So John is writing to someone we really don't know a whole lot about in Third John. We talked about that on Sunday, a, a guy named Gaius. And what I, what, some of my favorite verses in all of Third John, and I mean, there's only 15, so that's pretty easy. Unlike, you know, oh, my favorite verses in the Psalms, which is a ton of them, could be anything. So when you only have 15 to start with, yeah, what, what, what really rises to the top quickly is verses three and four. John has received a good report from most likely one of his disciples, somebody that he maybe even led to the Lord, but at least has discipled and trained up. Right. And so he gets a good report. So obviously they're maybe not even in ministry together, but they get a good report from him. And and so verse three says, for I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and they testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. You know, there was uh, in my own personal life, the ministry that I was saved in and through as a teenager you know, I had a wonderful set of godly grandparents that really uh, led by example, poured into us. And one of the things that they did in that kind of support uh, is they sent us to camp and they got us involved in different kind of ministry things. And and so the ministry that I got saved in and uh, and through with, let it be summer camp and some of the other things that they did, just you know, without getting into it, have, have gone through a little bit of turmoil, right? And, and that's hard praying for all parties involved. It's just been uh, uh, difficult for me personally because of that emotional, even spiritual tie that I have to it is like, man, that's the ministry I got saved, you know? So, you know, even think about that, like, uh, we love driving in St. Joe, Missouri, where me and Ashley are from. We'll drive past the church that we got married in. We didn't even attend that church. We weren't even really following Jesus uh, when we got married. Uh, we actually got saved in premarital counseling, but we still love to drive past the church. And we always tell the kids like, oh, look, that's where mom and dad got married. And so uh, even though it has just that that kind of connection to us, that's the place we got married. Like, I don't want to see that church burn. <laughs> I don't want to see it fumble. I don't want to see massive failures happening or anything like that. And so in the same way, but I think even in a deeper way, the, the ministry that I got saved in and discipled up as a teenager, going through some, some struggles and praying for those guys. Um, and somebody brought something up. So uh, a person that discipled me and that was huge in my life is a guy named Mike Moseman. Mike is with the Lord now. And so I can say whatever I want about him, but no, he's with the Lord. He was a, a phenomenal man of God, like just very, he had a meekness about him. And we don't use that word a whole lot in, in our world today, not even in Christian circles. Like somebody calls you meek, you feel like you need to fight them. Like, what'd you say about my mom? Like, what's up? No, no. But meekness just means like controlled power. Like he, he, he was a, just a boss of a dude, a strong, godly man, you know, led an organization very well but he, he did it with such gentleness and humility. And when you, when, so when you take that, he had that strong authority, strong Christian man, but he led with gentleness and humbleness. He just, when you blend all that together, like he was just, he led with meekness and it was very good. So Mike was the guy that really trained me up. I remember one year at camp, right? So we used to go, uh, this, this ministry would host four weeks of camp. And one year in high school, I went to the first week 
and it was about Wednesday. You're halfway through camp. So you finally like, you know, you're starting to get real with the Lord a little bit. You're really starting to process, you know, some of the teaching and the word of God that is being just poured out into you. And it's like, okay, now I want to get real with the Lord. And I was really dealing with a lot of things in my home life. And so I walk up to Mike one day and I said, Mike, like it's Wednesday, Saturday's coming, which means I got to come. I got to go home. Saturday's coming and I got to go home and I don't want to go home. It's Wednesday. Like, what do I have to do? Can I, I want to stay at camp. And I looked at him and I said, Mike, you know, my home life. I, I'm not ready. I'm not in a spot where I feel like I can go back home and, and walk and, and strength walk in any kind of victory. Like if I go home right now, I'm just going to get waylaid again, uh, by temptations and, and just the work of the evil one. So I look at Mike and I'm just like, I'll do anything. Can I please stay at camp? And you know, that's another person taking up a spot. That's food. That's like, what do we, are we just, you just going to play on the blob and just, you know, try to talk to all the new girls that come next week at camp. Like what, what, what's the purpose, you know? And he said, you know, Nick, this is what I want you to do. He goes, I want you to pray about it. Pray about it tonight and let's talk at breakfast. And, and that dirty rat, I think he knew what he wanted to do. He just wanted me to pray about it. And I thought, you son of a gun. So, so I go that night, I probably barely slept any plus you're in a room full of like smelling middle school, high school boys. Everybody's just farting all over each other. And so you can't sleep already. You know, we didn't have, I don't think we had AC at the time. So it's middle of June or July. You're sweating. It smells like a foot. It's just nasty. So, and I'm, th that was, that was my prayer closet right there that night. I don't think I slept much. I'm just praying, you know, like, Lord, I lift up Mike to you. He's, he's such a heathen, change his heart, whatever you need to do to him to make him let me stay at camp. Like, Lord, you're powerful. And I believe in that. So I'm sitting here praying about trying to get Mike to change his heart. And the Lord's like, no, the heart I want to change is you. But, and I didn't know that at the time. So I'm praying for Mike that he's going to have a change of heart and let me stay at camp. So we come back the next morning and I sit down with Mike and I walk up at breakfast and I said, well, I've been praying all night. And he could tell because I'm exhausted. I'm drinking coffee, which students weren't allowed to have coffee. That's yeah. Some of the craziness, but you know, I smuggled it, you know, and, and he said, well, he goes, all right, if you agree, you can stay the next three weeks of camp, but you're going to be my personal assistant. Meaning whatever I ask you to do, you have to do it and without complaining. And he could have said anything, you know, like he's like, all right, I want you to hunt a Buffalo. You got to skin it, live inside its corpse for three days. And then you got to make fire with the tail and some of the whiskers. Like he could have said, like, don't ask me where that just came from, but he could have said anything. And I would have said yes to it. And so I was like, be your personal assistant. Like I see you at camp. You just walk around and take pictures. Like how hard could this be? Oh Lord, I had no idea what I just said, right? I didn't say that out loud, but in my heart I did. I was like, absolutely, I could do that. So I say yes, I'm not gonna complain about anything. And so um, he drove me home from camp that Saturday. He would drop me off Saturday at my house. I'd wash all my clothes and wake up, go to church if I was able to make it, whatever it is. And he'd pick me up Saturday afternoon and I would go back to camp with him. And camp was about an hour-ish away and, and I don't remember like hard specifics about the conversations that we had, but I just remember 
those hour-long drives to camp, spending time together at camp because we'd meet just one-on-one. He, you know, hey, we're going to do devotions in the morning together. We're going to pray together. Like, and so for three weeks, like I just was under his wing. I was apprenticing. I was being discipled. And I just remember that being a very rich time in my life, right? And you're probably thinking, well, if you had all that, Nick, and you just said that you got saved in premarital, like what happened and da, 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 you know, when I was 20 and we were doing premarital, I think that's when I really allowed my faith to be mine. And so for all whatever purposes, like put your theology books away, I'm not trying to argue that, but what I am saying is that's when I, my faith became my own. And that's when I consider like, I was truly saved because it was me, not the influence of, you know, being raised with good godly grandparents. Like it was me saying, Jesus, I trust you, whatever you bring into my life, whatever it is. But I just remember that time with Mike through that next three weeks. And man, he had me doing all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Like we didn't have a, a really good dishwasher at the camp. And so you couldn't even put like clean dishes in it and they would actually get dirtier. And so we had this nasty bucket. Uh, You had to drop all your slop into the slop bucket. And then I had this bucket of just like dishwater that you had to scrub your plate before you had to, you had to wash your plate before we put them in the dishwasher. That's how bad it was. And that water was nasty. I'd have to change it out two or three times per meal, you know, because middle schoolers just cover everything in ketchup and ranch and it was nasty. And then like half of the girls, they wouldn't even do it. They would just throw their plate in the bucket and run away. And I would get so mad. Like I'd run up to Mike and be like, Mike, the girls aren't washing their plates. He goes, well, it sounds like you're washing their plates then. And I wanted to complain. I was like, but, and he's like, Hey, what did we talk about? I was like, Oh, so I'm, I'm washing these plates. And so, yeah, that's when I started spitting in the girl's food. No, I'm teasing. I didn't do that. But so I'm washing plates. And then one day he's like, Hey, the, we had like this chapel bell that we would ring. Yeah. Um, if you're watching YouTube, you saw me like ring the chapel bell, like I'm a a choo-choo train, (laughs) but we, we'd ring the bell and that would let him know like, Hey, it's dinner time or we got to go to a meeting room, whatever it was. He said the bell got flipped on top of the second story metal building in it's middle of June. It's probably July at this time. He's like, I need you to climb up there because we only have a ladder to get to the first story. Uh, and so you got to climb up on that roof and then climb up on the second and get up to the chapel bell, flip it back over so we can use it for camp. <laughs> Thinking, I'm saying we invest in a megaphone or something here. Like, so I climb up there and it's like, 11 o'clock there's an outdoor class that's going on not one student was paying attention to the teacher they were all looking at me and every one of those dirty little rats was praying that i was going to slip and fall off of that roof like i just felt the presence of their prayers of like i hope nick dies right now that would be sweet i want a cool story for camp you know go back home how was camp i saw a dude fall off a roof it was awesome so I'm up there and it's a metal roof building. It's a metal building, metal, metal roof building. It was horrible. Like I was in sandals. Don't ask. Okay. I was in like middle school, high school. Wasn't that smart. I'm in sandals. So I don't have the best footwear on even just for like traction. And then like, it was so hot that it literally felt like my sandals were melting. I couldn't touch the, the tin metal roof, whatever it is. Cause my hand would immediately turn into lava and like, I just feel the heat radiating. I'm sweating profusely over a bell. So I climb up there and I flip it back over and I'm like duck walking. Cause I'm scared to stand up. Cause like I'm afraid of heights. 
yeah, don't make fun of me. I'm not really afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling and dying and smashing on the floor. So sorry. That's a real fear of my life. So like there was just all these crazy things, but I just remember spending that time with Mike so that even when I later in my life, even, even today, there are things that I think about in ministry or even my own Christian walk. And I go back to the example that I have in Mike and you're probably thinking, okay, where are we going with this? And so with everything that was going on in the ministry that, that he was, that he had led for so many years, I was talking with his daughter probably within the last year and and somebody had brought up the concept with everything that was going on. They said, look at all of Mike's hard work. It's gone. And to be very honest, like I kind of had a very similar thought. Like I heard that and it was like, you know, I, I remember driving past the building uh, where they did this ministry. And, and again, yes, I'm trying to be very vague, but, and, and he would be there late nights and, and he'd, he'd be the first one in the last one out. Like he just served so faithfully. And, and even at his funeral, I remember looking at his family and, you know, everybody's saying great things about Mike and they were all true. He was a wonderful man, but I looked at his wife and his kids and I said, you know, so much of my, of my middle school and high school time, I have so many great memories with you guys. And I just looked at them and I said, thank you for adopting me into your family on those occasions. You know, we went on a, an amazing hiking trip up to Wyoming. Um, oh, what was it called? See, this is where I need somebody to Google. It's not Camelback. We hiked that in Arizona. Medicine Bow Peak. That's how did I pull that out of thin air? So we went on a trip to Medicine Bow Peak up in Wyoming and went rock climbing. And I was there with Mike and his boys. And so like, I just have all those memories. And so at his funeral, I just looked at the family and I said, thank you for everything that you guys have sacrificed because I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be where I'm at. I wouldn't be doing the things that I'm doing in ministry if it wasn't for Mike. And I know you guys sacrificed so that Mike could disciple me, pour into me and lead the ministry that he did. And so, so I'm, I'm talking with his daughter one day and, and says, yeah, all of Mike's hard work, you know, is down the drain. Now, I don't think she was saying that, that that was just something that was being said. And we were talking about that. And I said, you know, I've had that same feeling. And she said, yeah, I was talking to my mom about that. So Mike's wife and widow. And, and it's been a hot minute since I've seen her, her name's Millie and, and Millie told her daughter, she said, no, your dad's hard work is not all gone. Think of Nick. And that really hit me. Cause then when I read third John and it says, for I rejoice greatly when the brothers come and they testify to your truth. And indeed you are walking in the truth. Like that was Millie saying like, I'm hearing good things. Like obviously you've grown up, you're off on your own. You got a great family. You're in ministry. You're serving the Lord. You're loving Jesus and whatever turmoil that she has gone through, whatever Mike has went through, what any of that, like it is almost like it's like, but I'm rejoicing greatly because I'm hearing just good things that you're walking in that truth. And that, that was such a motivator. Like, so like me, the daughter, we're just like crying. We're in the middle of a foyer of some church. People are probably thinking, what's going on over there? Like, yeah, but it was just a really moving time because, you know, just thinking through, yeah, life, life is going to be hard. 
things are going to happen that it's like, I never would have thought we would be here, especially with the ministry that he led for so many years. Like it, it is hard, but to see Mike's wife have that heart just to say, but I'm still rejoicing greatly. And I know there's so many students that have that testimony that they're still walking in the truth. They're still walking with Jesus because of the ministry of Mike, even though the organization itself is going through some turmoil the man, Mike, that loved Jesus, and he discipled, he trained up, he loved on a bunch of us crazy teenagers for decades of years. There's so many testimonies talking about us walking in the truth, and and you just, I could hear in Millie's heart through the daughter sharing that testimony, there's just no greater joy than hearing my children are walking in the truth, verse four. And so for even through the, the thick, the thin, the crazy, da, 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 there's no greater joy knowing that, hey, uh, little Nick Pierce, who we didn't know if he was going to end up in prison, in youth ministry, whatever, you know, like usually that's it. Like you're going to be a youth pastor or you're going to go to prison. Uh, and some days you feel like it's the same. But there's this no greater joy just looking forward because nobody knew what was going to become of me. And, you know, a lot of times us kids, we'd leave camp and we go back to our homes and they just pray like, hopefully you can hang on because some of us went back to really broken, crazy homes. And so just to see what life has been through, obviously, you know, they prayed for me through my chemo. They prayed through me as I stepped into full-time ministry. And so they just rejoice greatly of hearing that you're walking in the truth. And, and that is such a motivation for me. So like, definitely don't lose the heart and the joy of serving the Lord. Like that, again, going back to what I tell staff, your first ministry is your personal walk with Jesus. So don't lose that heart. Like, I, I, I want to bring joy to the Father's heart. I want to bring joy to Jesus that I am walking in the truth. So don't lose that. But there's also the testimony of those around us that discipled us, that trained us up. And like each one of us can think back, you know, and sometimes it was our parents and amen if that's your story. And I love that for you. It's not really mine. My grandparents were a very strong influence. Um, Mike was a very strong influence. Um, I can almost look at every season of my life and I can point to who that person was for that season. You know, so young in ministry uh, in the sense of just volunteering. And right before I went to Bible college, it was a guy named Brent Hyde. You know, I'd love if he would jump on and listen to this just to, you know, hear your name on the breakdown, you know, which is such a, 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 a bucket list type of thing, right? No. And so, you know, we think of these people that poured into us that I am who I am because of them. And I'm sure they are rejoicing greatly to say like, wow, like he's still walking with Jesus. And the same thing for me as a father, like I look at my kids and I hope that in 20 years when I'm an old man and that's when my son thinks he's going to be able to take me in a fight. I'm just like, Hey, I'm just going to let you know, I'm, I'm still dad strong. But in 20 years, I want to look back and I want to look at my kids and they're like, they're all walking with Jesus. Like that's going to, there's no greater joy than hearing that. And not just in our biological families, but also in the family of God. Because we're called to go and make disciples, which the literal Greek of that is like, as you are going, as you're just living life, disciple people. And every one of us can look at people in our lives that discipled us, that I am who I am because of this person pouring into my life at this time. And then this person and this person, you know, like I, the pastor that I am, like one of the reasons I am who I am as a pastor is because 
of my senior pastor, Daryl Jones, who trained me up and, and, and just all of Grace Evangelical Church that helped me cut my teeth into really good pastoral ministry. I would not be the lead pastor I am if it wasn't for them. And so there's that testimony and, and they rejoice greatly when they hear, you know, how the Lord is working and moving down here at Calvary Chapel, Lake of the Ozarks and it's, and vice versa. I, I'm rejoicing hearing what's happening there. And so we all have those people. And so I just ask you, and I encourage you like think through who is that in your life that has discipled you that just rejoices greatly because you're still walking with the Lord? And here's the challenge. If they're alive, tell them that. Ministry is hard. Ministry sucks at times. Like, can I say that on the breakdown? Oh, yeah, I'm by myself, so I can. <laughs> Ministry is hard, though. There's times it's like, I'll go back to being a pediatric nurse. Like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I doing this to my kids, my wife? Like, it, it can be taxing at times. Like, I mean, even this week, little extra hours, a lot of stuff is going on. We got different, you know, just going from the mountain to the valley type of a week. It is really difficult. But when you hear someone say, hey, I'm walking in the truth because you led me in that. You discipled me. You poured into me. Like, there's no greater joy than that. And that is really encouraging. And so if there's somebody like that in your life and then they're training you up and they're raising you up and, and some of the things were being decided, there might not even be a fairly close relationship. It might be, you know, one of your pastors that when you were in college that you just, you know, you really grew listening to theirs, like share that with them. Now, if a bunch of you call me, I'm going to slap you. I'm not asking for a bunch of phone calls. That's why I don't give you my phone number anyway. But no, think of the people in your life that really have loved you with that unconditional love of Christ. Let them know. And so in a, in a flip of John to Gaius, be a Gaius that looks at John and says, I'm rejoicing greatly that I'm walking in the truth because you loved me and you walked with me. You know, understand, understand the heart of John here when he's saying, I'm rejoicing greatly. I have no greater joy than to hear this. Some of us Johns need to hear that. We need to have some joy and some rejoicing in our life. And so whoever that is, let it be your life group leader. Let it be a, a high school math teacher. Yeah, I'm saying that for a reason. You know, uh, For me, cross country and high school math, Coach Weeks, a believer. I thought he was just trying to teach me math and teach me about running. Nope, he, he was teaching me about life and about the Lord, and he's a believer. And so there's, there's just no greater joy in that. And so as a John, it's kind of cool to hear every once in a while that those, those that are Gaiuses in your life are walking with the Lord. But if we don't know, we don't know. And so I just encourage you to share that. You know, it's one thing that we are walking in the truth, and, and definitely that's what we need. And John's writing about that. Walk in the truth. Be a fellow worker in the truth. Let your testimony be that of the truth. But tell the people in your life that are discipling you, that are training you up, that are raising you up, like, thank you. I am who I am. Like, you've, you've led me to Jesus. And that's one of the key things, like, that we talked about on Sunday. If, if, if somebody was following me, because, it, you know, verse 11, it says, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. So if somebody followed me and they were following Jesus, would it be the same? You know, Paul says in, what is it, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of, uh, of me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And we're called to be imitators of God. So in that discipleship, like, I knew I was following Jesus if I even just exampled my life off of Mike or if I exampled my life off of Brent Hyde. 
a Daryl Jones. And, you know, there's just those different people in my life that I wanted to imitate, not copy, not to be like some, I was a little bit more like than others, but I wanted to imitate their faith. And even there's that challenging verse in Hebrews, I think it's like 13, seven or something that says, you know, remember your leaders, imitate their way of life, you know, follow their style of faith, paraphrasing horribly. You can look it up, but it's like, even as a leader, like, am I walking in a way that this is the faith I would want people to imitate? You know, would it bring me joy that those that I'm at, uh, that I'm discipling are walking in my same faith? Would that bring me joy? Would I rejoice greatly that, so I'm going to use my son over here. He's running the computer. Like in 20 years, if he follows in the exact, you know, example of faith that I leave, would I rejoice in that? Or would I look at him and be like, you missed it. Well, how did I miss it? Because I missed it. You know, am I leading that kind of an example? And so, so one, as, as those who are of us that are Johns, that are discipling, that are parents, that are life group leaders that have any kind of position of discipling somebody else, which is all of us. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to disciple. And so are we discipling people in the way that they should go? Would we rejoice greatly that if they continued in the lifestyle that we've exampled for them, if they've continued in that, would we rejoice at the testimony of their faith? Would their testimony be true? Kind of like what John is saying there and at the end of verse 12. And so, so a couple challenges. If you're a Gaius and you've been discipled, tell John, let him rejoice greatly. If you're a John and you're discipling, is your life an example that you want to see? Would you rejoice greatly to see the people that you're discipling walking in the truth that you have? So, hey, that's what we have for us this morning. Thank you guys so much for enduring a breakdown, rolling solo, lone ranger, uh, what other all by myself titles can I use? He's not even looking over at me. I'm just trying to look for some off-camera help, but I see how it is. Hey, excited to have Jaron back in the studio with us next week. Again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Share your favorite podcasting platform online, any of that. And as always, if you have any questions, if there's anything that you want us to break down, um, we, we can go off script. It doesn't always have to be about the previous message on a Sunday or anything like that. If, if you have questions, email us, please, and let us know. Call out to the office, send a smoke signal, carry your pigeon, uh, gerbils. Do they carry messages? No, they carry diseases, exactly, because they're vermin rats. I'm probably going to get an email about that. But we would love if there's something that you're processing or thinking about or just would like, hey, I wonder Nick's heart and thought. Uh, what him and John would say about this. We would love to break down those kind of topics. So definitely let us know. Other than that, have a great week. Go love God, love others, impact the world. Peace.